0: Hi, Ryan.
1: Hello, Rachel.
0: We're here to talk about discovery.
1: We heard you people begging. Begging to begging us please, please do discovery again. We've missed it so much. Where has the discovery coverage been? Season four has come and gone. Star Trek Picard and Strange New Worlds has come and gone. But where is Yum Yum Trek with our favorite yummy hosts Ryan and Rachel? Well, we heard you
0: Ryan, we, we, please we heard don't you make and this we're back. Now. We're gonna make than this absolutely had to please and yes.
1: Rachel, out of the two of us, is the most excited to get back to Star Trek Discovery. We are looking so. at the
0: first episode of Season 4, because this is, unfortunately,
1: <laughs>
0: the a Star season. Trek Discovery rewatch podcast, so this is the second time mm-hmm. that I have been subjected to to mm-hmm. this particular episode.
1: So, if you have not seen Star Trek: Discovery up to where it is, we recommend that you do because we will be talking about it from the revisit and rewatch perspective, yes. which does mean we will give away some details of what happens later. This so, you've been warned.
0: particular episode. Uh, its particular slice of rememberberry pie
1: mm. is
0: the title. Mm. And a few other things, but the the title is the big one, Kobayashi Maru.
1: I got immediately angry when I saw that title when this episode dropped because, one, uh, they've used Kobayashi Maru in Star Trek so often that it's almost, if not entirely, lost its specialty. The meaning of it, the message of it, and the theme of it is so diluted at this point, that I roll my eyes at it, but the second being, in a show with a character whose name sounds like Maru, Saru, uh, Saru, you don't have an episode that's character-centric called Kobayashi Saru, in which he has to deal with a Kobayashi Maru-esque type dilemma, is a, a complete fumble. It tells me everything I need to know about what Discovery's focus is, which is what you said. It's about, hey, remember this thing, uh, rather than having fun. Because that would have been fun. And we know this because Strange New Worlds exists, and they have an episode that's a character-centric one about Spock, where it has a fun play on words like that, Spock Amok. And that just tells you everything you need to know. The fact that this isn't called Kobayashi Saru, and you have a Saru-based story with that, is... It pissed me off before I even saw this, but I, I still went in with high hopes. Um, no, you
0: didn't. I did. I did no, because... No, 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 mm. no, no. You were far too fucking beat down to have high hopes. Uh, no, you're right. You had hopes, but you did not have high hopes. Well, let's talk about the
1: lead up to season four in that regards. Then. Can I
0: give the description?
1: Did you want to get there? What's it rated at the moment? I'm curious. Uh,
0: a 5 co- point something. 5.7. Out of 10? Yeah. And it's hasn't even cracked 3,000 ratings.
1: Okay. So what's the synopsis on this one?
0: After months spent reconnecting the Federation with distant worlds, Captain Michael Burnham and the crew of the USS Discovery are sent to assist a damaged space station.
1: Wow, that is a synopsis. Uh, Yeah, so the lead up to season four. Obviously, it was very different to the previous seasons because... Well, you know, we're doing our podcast, we're covering all of this stuff, and then we ran out of Discovery and we had to wait for this to come, and then obviously we wanted to wait until a little while after it all finished up so that we could have a proper rewatch of it, so we did our Babylon 5 coverage and we're still doing that, and... There was a whole numerous amount of things ahead. One was obviously what is the continuation? Where are they going to go from here? What new big threat are they going to do? which is obvious. You, each season, you go going, they do what it every threat time. threat is it going to be? And then they advertise, we're going to have an, a threat that isn't a villain. We're going to have one that's an event. We're going to have a, a non-corporeal villain. We're not going to have a mustache-twirling bad guy with a super weapon. Remember that for later in the season, that they promised that. Because uh, it was a lie. It's a lie. We do have a mustache-twirling villain who wants a super weapon. So fuck you, uh, for lying, but there we go with that, and then obviously, uh, COVID has happened, and, uh, it impacted the production of this season, and I was curious, and I think you were as well, of what that was going to make Discovery look like, because although we have a lot of flaws with Discovery, the one thing that you can't really, um, claim it isn't is, um... Packed to the brim with people, so the idea—it's a
0: professional
1: production, and the show itself is crowded. You know, the Discovery Ship, yes. all these places are crowded with people. But the, big the crew, the, big the, crew, but the episodes are crowded with many characters. So, what was your kind of thought process about? Uh, that element of going into season four with the note with the knowledge that they're going to have to be working within the parameters of COVID health and safety stuff. Yeah,
0: I was just like, this is going to be really interesting because this came out at the end of twenty one and was one of the first shows that we watched, knowing that the filming part of the production cycle was. All within the height COVID regulations mm, and the height of COVID outbreak. Yeah, and we knew that it had been delayed several times because of consequences to do with those. Yeah, with conditions. filming.
1: Yeah, they had uh, several you know outbreaks and contaminations and close contacts and so on and so forth. They're filming up in Canada, so they're having to travel to and from, and there's a whole slew of things that were were going on with that. But uh, I mean. What did you think it was going to look like, though?
0: I was curious to see how clear it would be that Mm. that was a thing. And you do feel it. You do (sighs) feel it. Like, the fact that it's just like everybody is very spread out. You are only in a shot if you are absolutely necessary. Um, Lots
1: of digital trickeries. Yeah, oh, well, it's hard to say trickery when you can see it. Yes. Um, one of the things I knew going in as well was they were kind of pushing aside the use of blue and green screen for that kind of uh, the thing that the Mandalorian has that uh, that uh, I can't remember what the name of it is called off the top of my head, but that kind of digital screen wall that they use behind the 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 the, the actors that make the thing look. Like it's actually in the set, we know that from the Mandalorian. So I knew they were going to be using that as well. But uh, I, yeah, I was very keen to know what it was going to look like because. The only things we had seen at that time in 2021 yeah, that was impacted that show. was impacted by COVID was reality shows or cooking, like, uh, nailed it and so things like that. So I was curious to see a, a high-budget production action series like Star Trek Discovery, how it was going to operate under these restrictions. And it is pretty evident when you know, when you know it and – you can see it and you can tell that they had to uh, hold, hold back on the ambition of their scripts because the scripts haven't changed, but the production had to change. That's how it came across, even in this first episode. You know in their script, if this was season two, there would be far more people to fill out the ambition of what they've got written down. But They wouldn't be across a
0: literal chasm in yeah. the first scene.
1: Yeah, and there wouldn't be just two people in a room all the time. So there was that. Uh, I didn't know anything about what the pitch of the season was going to be, truly, other than a nebulous, non-villainous entity. They were going to deal with a galaxy-wide disaster because that's always what it is.
0: got to keep up in those stakes mm. from destroying... The entire universe. I knew
1: they changed the uniform because everybody hated the previous new uniform, so they immediately changed them again, and uh, that was about it. But in all honesty, I didn't really know the details of what we're going to go into. I mean, we said this at the end of last season in which it had such a, okay, finality to it. Like, Michael's become the captain you can basically do anything you Where want does from the here. the journey go from here? There were no real character things that we were looking forward to. I, I remember this so crystal no clear. No loose ends. No, there were in terms of crystal clear in this. There were loose well, ends we didn't care about. Yes, and the one I remembered I was, was, was Julio saying to us, Oh, come on, guys. Aren't you so keen to know what's going to happen between Michael and Paul? And... I'm re-watching it, and I know what happens between them, which is fucking nothing. And I'm yeah. watching this first episode, and there's fucking nothing. And it was just hilarious to think about uh, that, yeah. because they had bad blood at the end of the previous season. But here, it's just he's taking orders like he always yeah. does, because five months have passed, so they've probably hashed out their beef in that time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then, the big thing that does not matter to the Northern American listeners out there, but matters to literally everybody else in the world, uh, was uh, the distribution for Star Trek Discovery got pulled two days before the airing of the first episode, this episode. And everybody who was in the know kind of was aware that the straw was going to break the camel's back at some point because all of the international distribution is fucked up Yes, for Star Trek. It's all on these different services. Discovery was on Netflix. Yes,
0: Amazon had Picard, you know, on and on it went. Yes, it was diversified. And a part of that Hmm. was that Paramount was just seemingly giving short-term contracts... To the highest bidder. Yeah, just trying to get things quickly out because everybody knew that Paramount Plus was coming at some point. They yeah. made the announcement that, and I think it's opened its gates in like twenty 2020 twenty or twenty twenty one. And it's like, well, Star Trek is their huge property, so of course they're gonna want it back in their hands. Right. And Netflix had the majority of Star Treks mm. in Australia. And we Including were like, Discovery, yeah. Yeah. We were like, okay, well, it'll be on there eventually. And then we noticed that the other Star Treks disappeared. Mm. And we were like, wait. Where are they? Well, when you say the other Star
1: Treks, which ones are you referring to?
0: Like we had like TOS and Discovery mm. in our like continue watchings, right? Mm. Um, as well as like Deep Space Nine, because they were all kind of just sitting there in our account from mm. when we finished up doing the make it stops or make it so's. Mm. So we saw that all of them had disappeared and we were like, it's weird that those are the ones that are gone Mm. because other things that had been sitting in our list longer than those shows had were still there. Yeah,
1: but then, in all fairness, as of this recording, all of those original, the original series and the '90s, '80s, '90s yeah. Star Treks are back on there. Even Enterprise is on there. But they're back. They're on Discovery there. Discovery but... didn't get any notice. No, uh, two days. And in then, this announcement, damn, gone. no, no notice on Netflix. Yeah, then
0: the announcement came, and then like. After they announced that it was just Discovery that was leaving, they appeared back in our list and it was it just was like very
1: confusing. Th- it was
0: just a weird back end sort of impact that made mm. it very confusing. And we were scared for a moment of like, are they gonna lose all, all of these of things?
1: Them. And we will at
0: some point. It has to yes. happen. But uh... But so the next thing that I want to bring up, because that was a weird thing that was just with us Mm. don't know why the fuck it happened but so we were like we know we know that paramount plus is going to eventually hoard all of the star treks right what we didn't know was when the fuck they're gonna open to international clientele
1: but that's the crazy thing. Now, now, this is all talk from people like us who are podcasters who are keenly aware of what's happening with the shows we're watching. But you've got to consider, for the general masses, and this is what I kept arguing at the time, the general masses, like my parents... They don't get any knowledge of this. They, they have, like, a few streaming services. They don't know where everything goes, blah, blah, blah. And Netflix didn't say anything on their site. It just, Discovery was gone two days before. They advertised the new season was coming out, but then two days before, yep. pulled. And you may go, that's not Netflix's fault, that's Paramount's fault. You may go, blah, blah, blah. Who cares? They're all companies that are evil. And it was all the the stuff. But then it was the international thing. And the crazy thing is, as Australians, Paramount Plus was a is a thing was a thing was actively being used was a streaming service that was promoted everywhere Mm -hmm. and we were still told along with other countries that had not yet got paramount plus even as we record still just getting it Mm -hmm. we australians who had it before like at the same time as the us were told you won't get it until midway through 2022 fuck you and that was a great warm up for such me to want to watch this season disaster. that was such a great warm up act to want to watch this season it was a slap in the face now it's not the showrunner's fault or the actors or any of these people it's just how the evil business worked but it really was a big middle finger to the international audience of this franchise that it was just even if your country has the ability the the platform the the, the streaming service to watch this we're not going to let you America gets it before everyone else, of course, and they will have it for so long that you, by the time you do get it, you'll be spoiled. If you're on the internet, you'll be spoiled. Most, most likely, most definitely, if you've got any keen interest in Star Trek. And so we as proud Australians watched Star Trek Discovery's fourth season the way that most Australians watch uh, media... And, uh, well, I don't think I need to fill in the... I think you can all fill in the blanks of what that means. We, we, uh, so we looked at this episode through the, uh, uh, national way of doing so, and I did not... You know what's funny? There are some episodes of shows like Discovery where I keenly remember how I felt about it at the time. But this one is such a non-entity to me that... I felt as if I was watching it for the first time today. Mm. Even though I remembered the key plot points and even some of the quotes and gags, the overall sensation of it, the the the, the, the feeling that you get when you finish watching an episode or during it did not linger in any way at Still all. Felt-
0: It felt fresh and stale at the same time.
1: Yeah, it was a complete new experience for me. And if we're going to briefly just mention what we thought of the season overall, I didn't hate this season as much as season three. I think season three is still my least favorite. But the one thing I would describe season four is it's pitiful. I pity it. I feel so sad when i watched it that was the constant thing of not sad in the way they wanted me to No,
0: this nine, nine. this
1: once high energy high mm-hmm. octane beast of a show that was messy but it was arrogant was humbled so much
0: yeah.
1: it, it was it was such a haunting experience watching season 4 week to week it was it was this Titan of this Titan show because I don't, as you know, as we all know, we're not huge fans of Discovery, but it, it did have this huge uh, shadow that it cast in our lives. And then we watched season four, and nobody was talking about season four, no, because nobody could watch it
0: outside it of the US. Sputtered out, yeah. Um, yeah, it was a massive, like, just massive waste of time. I don't – I wouldn't say that I have pity for it, though. I do think it's pathetic, mm. but I don't actively have pity for it because I know that the people involved overall are proud of what they've made. Oh, and they're And they got to enjoy the process of making it. They think that they've done a solid job, and for me, I don't agree with that. So I look at it and go, that's a pathetic piece of fucking shit, but good on you. You made it anyway. It takes a lot of effort and a lot of things to go your way in whatever capacity you need it to to get a television show made and out, let alone one that has the ridiculous budget mm. that Discovery does.
1: Discovery from the drop, though, to give it its due, and uh, is they've always had major production issues. Showrunners dropping out, cast yeah, members, this and this obviously why it makes it even
0: more this, astounding that it's still being made. Well,
1: every Star Trek series season has some production issues, doesn't it? I mean, every
0: show does. Every show, but, do, but, but this Discovery had everyone's mm, the cracks are deeper in you, a lot of you, the series. And
1: obviously, this had the the COVID stuff. So the people who would love who love this show far more than we do would say, "Hey, you know, they did the best that they could considering this." unforeseen event and i i i completely agree as in that manner because i i i I was expecting it to be much worse with those limitations than it is hence i pity it because Mm -hmm. i can see in the writer's brains what this episode just this one episode Hmm. let alone the season's was wanting to be and knowing what the previous seasons, how they would go about it. Yeah. And seeing them do it, but with the bar so much lower, just mm-hmm. that they just can't get the things that they do. Like the big, one of the huge things that really hit me in the gut watching this one was it's this first episode, revisiting it, especially after watching not only uh, Strange New Worlds, even Picard, and <laughs> even the Orville is... Uh-huh. Watching this mm-hmm. made me realize that this is for fucking dorks, dweebs, losers. You know, sometimes I've mentioned this on our Babylon 5 discussions and our Star Trek discussions. There was just some episodes of a mm-hmm. thing where it's so got those specific sci-fi nerdy things in them that it even makes me go whoa I'm really watching something that I I, I couldn't recommend to another normal person this had that and it made me laugh
0: wait, wait. Ryan yes you made a mistake mm-hmm you incidentally refer to yourself as a normal person?
1: Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. I'm not a normie. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm a chad. So, um, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm, I'm joking. I'm, a, I'm a yum yum. Uh, but you know what I mean by that? There are some yeah. of the shows that we all enjoy that are so niche, so mm-hmm. a thing that you really can't recommend them to other people because they're just so specific. Like if you showed. A, a friend, a picture of Babylon Five. They would immediately look at Londo and Jakar yeah. and caution, be like raising their eyebrows. And I get that, I do. But I, when looking at this, especially that opening scene with the butterfly people and these quippy lines of dialogue butterfly and the queen. Uh, yeah, and the the uh, the lines about Grudge being a queen and all of this stuff and. I was like, "God, oh, this is just."
0: They give the Latin name for cat. <sighs>
1: this is just schlock. This is sci-fi, pulpy schlock that mm-hmm. I felt like I was watching a show made for nerds, dweebs, dorks, and
0: losers. Yeah, and yet I'm that. I'm that. This is the audience. I'm the um, audience. This particular episode, and from what I remember, a lot of this season. I kept on thinking this and I'm fairly certain that it will continue to be a thing throughout this season of discovery is they really thought that they were doing something there Mm -hmm. and just feeling that way over and over again because they, the show feels so chuffed with itself with what it's managing to do and, uh, how it's sounding hollow to me. Mm. I'm particularly thinking of the, um, I called them not jokes <laughs> in my note.
1: They're quips.
0: Um, but they treat them like jokes with punchlines. And, and comedy music. Oh, the fucking comedy music. I- <laughs> but, to- oh that but you know you got to love the serious sound effect that they use for Black Alert in oh, this episode. Oh god,
1: oh god, Jesus Christ. But, but
0: it was so bad when we first watched it that you rewound it because I, I knew, you I could... didn't believe that they actually used that kind of video game sound effect in this show well... and you you were so sure you were so sure. I thought it was a that... TV
1: thing, I thought it was my TV making no, that noise. No,
0: no. You didn't even think it was our TV, right? Do you remember what you thought it was? That, no. Like you were trying to rationalize this. Oh, it was a so- speaker problem? Or- no, no. You thought somebody next door was playing Mario. Oh, that's right. It sounded like a Mario sound effect. You were just like, no. It can't be real. No, it it's, be a, real. it's a weird thing. It's a weird thing. You were like, it sounds like it's fucking Mario. Mm-hmm. Maybe we just overheard the next door neighbors. They playing <laughs>
1: playing Mario again again, I again, because they had played <laughs> Mario recently. There was a reason why I thought this. There was a reason outside of just it does sound like a Mario effect. <laughs> but that's so lame. And no no, you know the this whole commentary I'm making about it feel it making me feel repulsed by making me keenly aware that this is made for the dorky crowd. It's quite funny to think about that because Star uh, Star Trek Discovery's first season or two even you could argue season three, the whole entire thing was we wanted it to be more Star Trekky, to be more nerdy, because the whole entire thing was it felt as if they were like, Star Trek is for nerds, dorks, and losers. We're making our cool, brooding, epic sci-fi show that's made for adults. Yeah. And then you watch this episode, and can you wrap your brain around how that mentality has faded? Can you th- think back to season 1 where they were like Lorca and and the Klingon war and we're making commentary about nationalism rising up in America and this isn't your daddy's Star Trek anymore kids this is this is for adults and then you see this opening scene with the butterfly people and Michael and Book can't even make a diplomatic meeting without fucking it up because they couldn't be bothered not to bring a cat along. That that, that That's like a sitcom-level stupid thing. And it just made me chuckle about how this was the Star Trek show that was all, we're not your daddy's Star Trek, we're all serious now, and we're really, really mature, and how far it's fallen. How far it's fallen, because it was always silly and stupid in its own ways, but you know what I'm saying
0: here? Yeah, yeah. just want to disagree, because a part of that statement implies that Discovery was decent at something at some point.
1: No, but it was trying to do all of those things. It was
0: trying to do those I don't
1: think it is anymore. When I watched this, I didn't get that. It was just like, this could be any show on the sci-fi network. where they are making a show because they have to fill in that quota and it's just cheap junk and let's have a bunch of sexy people saying funny lines and have minor plots.
0: It does a job. I would appreciate having nothing to do with it. (laughs) But alas, alas, I am trapped. Trapped in a marriage where we watch Star Trek Discovery episodes again and again and again And this angle, and wait. this angle
1: again and again and again I and again and again wait
0: until this show ends. And
1: then we'll do Star Trek Picard from back no, to front. No, no,
0: no! <laughs> you don't want to punish yourself that much. True that. Um, the opener sucks. It's not funny, though I laughed at it for how pathetic it was. There were just a couple of lines where they just had, like, that slight pause for the laughter and dip in the music for the
1: audience to stop to laugh.
0: And I laughed at that. I laughed at the sound editing, not the actual joke. And I kept on having to justify it. I'm like, Ryan, I'm not actually finding this Mm -hmm. funny. I'm laughing at it, please. Because you just kept on kind of smirking to yourself that I was laughing. and I was like, fuck.
1: And I was smirking at the things that it was doing that they no longer do in something like Strange New Worlds.
0: Mm-hmm. The stuff that they leave behind. You know what really was
1: insulting to me? It's such a small moment. We always, many people talk about how Star Trek Discovery is very informal. They don't dare to try to have that cold, dry, formal nature that something like TNG does. And when they're doing this diplomatic meeting, They don't even try. They're just, whatever. Uh, whatever. Fucking dilithium. Shove it up your ass. No strings attached.
0: So it goes all the way up into your colon.
1: Yeah. And then we got a cat. She's a queen. What insulted me was actually the queen. What insulted me was actually this moment in which the butterfly people are about to attack them, getting enraged. And Burnham turns around and reveals why Book has been brought along, which is, Book, quickly do that
0: empathy, empathy thing, thing.
1: And he's, oh, I, oh no, they're beyond empathy. That's not going to work. And it, it, it insulted me because in Star Trek, when they have characters with certain abilities, whether it be intelligence or a physical strength or whatever it is, I, they don't talk to them like that because they see them as more than that. But if that is a thing that they can do, that's handy. I thought of if Picard was talking to Data, he wouldn't just be like, Data, do that thing you do. He wouldn't talk like that. He would ask him to look up this information because he knows data well enough to do that. Or say if we want to talk about somebody with, uh, you know, uh, more specialty powers like that. Uh, you know, you have so many characters like Wolf. Troy. Has, Troy. What do you sense out there, Troy? Not, Troy, do that thing. Your empathy thing. Yeah. Do that.
0: Very different approach. Very different. Because Troy's obviously
1: there for her superpower like that. Yeah, but it she's feels... there in
0: the capacity as counsellor.
1: And this isn't a phrase I thought I'd ever Which use with it... Troy, but they do it in a less dehumanising way than they do with Book here. Yeah, Book, do that fucking empathy thing, you prick. That's what you're useful for. Your magical power, just do that. And it felt so on Star Trek to me. Just the vernacular of it, the language, the mentality behind it. I just thought of all of these characters that have all of these specialty abilities, and it was just so degrading. And it's supposed to be funny, and obviously you're supposed to have a chuckle because the music swells and they pause for a moment and look into the camera, sweating profusely, saying, please laugh, and I didn't. But that whole opening set piece with the butterfly people where they are doing the mission statement of going to these worlds that have been cut off, trying to reconnect because connection is the theme. Did you know that's the theme? We'll tell you that's the theme over and over and over again because you're five years old and you don't get what themes are, so we'll tell you them repeatedly until you get it. Oh, I got it. It's connection. It's about connection. It's about connecting. Uh, They want to give them the dilithium, but of course, wouldn't you know it, Rachel? There's misunderstandings not only is there misunderstandings but the butterfly people have some really fucking good points about why they don't want to connect back up with the federation and that they need more from them than these sugary sweet promises and bribes and we don't have enough time to deal with the uh, complexities, the metaphysics of that, we don't have enough time for that so let's just do what we always do Chase, chasing
0: action scene, and you're in the middle of a chase now, aren't you? And quips. Yes. And the first scene, the first scene is another example of something that we've harped on and fucking on about. That plot could have been an episode.
1: That could have been a whole episode.
0: That could have been the whole episode.
1: Them talking to these people and negotiating with them and then maybe there's something going on with them that's a little bit more sinister or something that they can help them out with, but their pride like, is getting in the way and maybe they
0: learn something about their culture. And... is so much like episodes of TNG. Mm-hmm. It's like they go start diplomatic relationships, but, you know... They're hiding a problem of sorts and having to try and figure out a way mm. through without attacking back, even if they're under attack, mm. and figuring out a way to establish positive regard between. The two species, and how
1: do you, as a federation Starfleet officer who clearly has a set agenda, whether it is in this diplomatic meeting or some conflict that emerges between you and them, uphold those without disrespecting the culture uh, This is the silliest pull, but it's the one i 'm going to use Rachel yes. is. That episode where Wesley Crusher falls into the fucking bed of flowers on that mm-hmm. one planet and they have to try him to death because that's their uh, society. They
0: immediately, the and that death one, is poor yeah, crimes. crimes,
1: And it's a bad episode. But hell, even that one, the crew of the Enterprise was like, damn, this is a moral complex issue that we've got going on here because. Mm-hmm. Well, it is their law, but we don't respect it. But obviously we can't just walk around being like, we don't respect and fly away pretending like it never happened. We they can't they just have
0: transport him out. Grap- they have
1: to grapple with it and come up with a solution and so on and so forth. And whether you think the solution and the plot of that episode is good, I don't. But there was, a, there was an episode there. That was an episode. You could have a whole episode about these fucking butterfly people and their weird alien cultural difference and you find a what's that? connection with them. Instead
0: of... But that would be your daddy's Star Trek and Discovery maybe a pile of shit, but it ain't your daddy's Star Trek type of shit.
1: I don't know where the writers' brains are at with this season when it comes to some of the choices they make, such as... Obviously, you want to have the opening scene be what they have, where they have a spectacle—not just spectacle, but you have a diplomatic meeting that goes awry, and they have to uh, help them in a more abstract way. But you have it go awry, and their way of making it go awry is Michael and Book go to a planet that that specifically asked for just you know the knowledge of who was like what life forms were coming down. And they couldn't be asked to do it properly and brought a cat down with them because grudge. she's a
0: queen. Grudge stays she's grudge. on the ship and then have to take Book's ship.
1: Even Archer got in trouble for bringing his dog down to planets because it pissed on a sacred uh. tree. That was silly then, but at least they acknowledged it's silly that Archer has a dog and he brings it on missions. Mm-hmm. And it infuriates me because it's like, the arc of this story here, like Michael's got a central character flaw and we're gonna explore that in the season.
0: What but, and it's she's flawless.
1: Yeah, she's flawless, she's a queen. Um and they have it all laid out with her and the president at the end, and it's like, okay. And they present it fairly seriously. Here though, they do this, and it just makes me think that Michael and Book are the fucking dumbest people. And they shouldn't be trusted to do anything ever. And I blame them for making the fight happen. And I roll my eyes at them, and I just want them to leave. Yes. And I, you know what the word, you know what I'm thinking though is, when they do that, I cross my arms and go, boy, if the if if this Starfleet organization is serious, they would send. Professionals to do this. Uh, yeah. Because that's what they are. They uh, aren't yeah. that, then. They it, aren't professionals. No. For fuck's sake. I want to watch a show where they're fucking professionals.
0: No. Um, there was a line that's a little bit later in the episode. Because um, when they're back on the ship and everything's from that situation's resolved. Because mm. it's so fucking quick but it feels like it takes so long. Uh, And Michael is going with Book to drop him off at his ship. Mm -hmm. And she says, luck is being prepared. And I'm like, bitch, you weren't even fucking
1: prepared. But they had Book's ship cloaked and ready right there.
0: But you hadn't prepared. scanned the satellites. You hadn't read up on the materials that you clearly have on these people to understand. They
1: took a cat down, Rachel. They're not the most exactly. Smart people. They
0: weren't fucking prepared. Yeah, uh,
1: yeah, yeah. They man.
0: weren't lucky. They weren't prepared. They were fucking useless twats.
1: Is it weird? that the dumbass crew in Lower Decks is more professional than the serious crew of Discovery yes. who are saving the future as it's we know sad. it.
0: It's sad. It, it, it's sad.
1: It is complex, though. It is like, yeah. why would they do? They, well, they don't know that it comes across like this. They're just like, no, oh, it's funny and cute.
0: Uh, no, and, like, not everybody will see it the way that we do. And mm. if people enjoy it, they enjoy it. You know. But I'm allowed not to. Let's
1: talk about Saru, uh, on Kamina, and Sukal. And Sukal. The they're the, in the, a the reason for last underwater
0: season, palace on Kamina. Yes,
1: because it's a watery location, and you got to have the Baul involved because yes. they're water creatures now, not go- not oil creatures or goo creatures. They're, they're water. I mean, it was. You could always argue that they're always watery, but it was weird. So you have go in a slightly
0: different direction. So,
1: so we cut to a scene from the Star Wars prequels, yes, where we go to an underwater city where with some gr- CGI great gooey creatures. Master
0: Seru emerges from the shadows, like it's revealed that oh, he's still man. in. This show,
1: not just that, but he's on Kamina. What? Who would have guessed? Who would have guessed when we cut to Kamina and a council of uh, of these freaks? That Definitely the... not people who watched the previously on. What? But but not even that. It's one of those things where it's like, it's not a reveal when it's the most who obvious else fucking. fucking it there? would be a, it would be a reveal if it was Paul or Hugh, <laughs> like, you know what I mean? It's not a reveal when you go... Or oh, meanwhile, Su-Kal. Meanwhile.
0: Sucall was the great leader. Oh, that would be a reveal. So- <laughs> no, no, that would be a
1: reveal. But it's not a reveal when you go, Meanwhile, on Kamina, uh da Saru's there! That's not a twist. I mean, we know Saru's there, but they do it. They, he comes out of the spot like, he comes out of the shadows into a spotlight, he poses, the camera swirls in, the music is blaring with this da-da-da-da! You didn't expect this? Ah, oh, it's Saru! Look at him! This is where he is! What a shocking thing that Saru's no longer in the discovery after giving up being captain for some reason. Uh, he's now here being an ambassador or a leader of some sort. Ooh! And what's his scenes during the entire episode I sure do miss being on Discovery over and over and over again and guys we should try and connect with everybody else (gasps) the theme is connection and then Sukal coming in being like because of our amazing friendship over the last five months I can be on my own you need to go back to Discovery and connect my question that i want to ask that comes from this is is it realistic that sukal is revered in the way he is in the show
0: no no it they allude to the way that it should be there only been five months they spent what was it, like 120 years suffering the results of the burn. Many people died. So many people died in the immediate burn. Mm. And then post,
1: it led to slavery. (laughs) Direct result.
0: So much irrevocable harm was done in the known universe. and Yeah. He didn't do it on purpose, but he is the one to fucking blame. And they allude to the fact that, you know, some people still don't like him and judge him and And don't want to deal with him, Mm. but they're in the few. And we don't see those people. And we never will again. We see the fact that he's on the centre floor of this council chamber meeting. Like he, they've is, put power and faith in him in Sukal. What does he have to offer them? This is a guy who. What the fuck? This is a guy who's
1: got the mind of a four-year-old boy. I don't know what he's got to offer them. Uh, my question also spins off into: Wouldn't somebody want to kill him? Absolutely. The fact that he hasn't already had an ass- assassination attempt is ludicrous to me and we'll never touch upon it again because he doesn't come back in any other episode in the season this is it for him, it's him patting patting, uh, Suru on the back saying, I was a bad storytelling mechanism last season but now I'm saying goodbye to you and we won't have to think about me again bye! Even though realistically if this was wanting to be the gritty serialized show that is claiming to be, the fallout of bringing the guy who gave the burn to the entire galaxy, bringing him back into the general popular would bring so many cascading consequences and events along with it that you could explore in a TV show. But
0: So, so few of the things that are made to matter in each individual season matter outside of that season.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, there are things that run on and things that uh, really don't run on and uh, Sokol is one of them because the entire time he's talking I'm thinking about realistically somebody have tried to kill him heck wouldn't there be people who worship him and think of him as this deity because of his extreme powers to basically destroy the galaxy on a whim like there would be people who wouldn't understand him that's a storyline you could explore and if you did it would make the burn feel more important like as if it mattered and not only that 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 sukal mattered more than just being a reveal but the truth is he only was there to serve that function, be the reveal for a mystery. That's all. There's nothing else to him. There was never meant to be, and we are wasting our time even talking about it. So, there's nothing else to say. Like Saru's just on that one set, whinging. Honestly, I, 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 I did not like him. I've been a
0: big fan of Saru. And I couldn't give a shit about him in this oh, I did episode. Not like I like his version of diplomacy and trying to sell them that you are part of a galaxy wide uh, community. His
1: little slideshow.
0: Yeah, like oh oh, isolationism
1: bad. Thank you, Saru. Connection no. is the theme. I will note that down. Let me just write that down. What's the theme? Oh, connection. I'll write that down. So the general plot of this is our crew of Discovery is flying around doing a bunch of shit. Uh, there, are, We find out that Starfleet Academy is reopening. We've got a new president of the Federation. And there's a distress call that comes out from this star base that, is, that has been fucked up and they need help. And so Discovery flies on out there because they're the best ship in the galaxy. The only one who can zip over there easily because they've got the spore drive tech. And the president wants to come along just because. Because they can. And what's their agenda? Who knows? We'll find out. And uh, along the way... Michael was suspicious of uh, Yeah, Michael's suspicious and, 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 and proud. Michael's got pride. That's a sin, by the way. Uh, I just wanted to mention that because this show's also about faith uh, and spirituality. So pride is a is a character flaw and and sin for Michael. So that's that's something to note down. And so they go out to the starbase, and Michael is uh, all captainy. You people go here to do this. We'll be doing this thing. Your usual bulk standard sci-fi thing, where lots of techno babble is mentioned, lots of characters talking about inane details that really don't matter at the end of it all. It's just lines dialogue to be spurted out, and. Uh, Adira and Tilly uh, Go over to the starbase To find out what is Happening over there Now we just watched the episode So could you tell me What did Adira and Tilly Get up to And what did they discover
0: Fucking really Hmm?
1: It's a core part of the app (sighs) What did they go and do over What did they do over there
0: And what did they discover they go over there with programmable matter mm-hmm. to fit to fix a part of the station system, and they got the thrusters back online, mm-hmm. and they were going to start working on getting the gravity restored. Okay. Did they discover anything? That they needed t- to go in there and respect that the captain was the captain? The commander,
1: yeah. But also not because he was he was a loose cannon and a little well, crazy.
0: they needed to talk him down. Um, the president was, talked him down. Ad- Adira got to learn about their first, well, like, get to experience their first away mission. Awesome. So they didn't discover anything that helped
1: uh, propel mysteries or further the ongoing plot within this episode or the season overall?
0: No, no, mm.
1: not that I remember. So what was the time spent on? Because we spent a lot of, like, in-camera time over there. What did we do?
0: Um. So... We have those two characters there so that, you know, it counts as an away mission that they're helping too. So when everything gets in danger Mm. or they're in a perilous situation, there's characters that we care about to try and make us care about Nautilus. Yeah. Uh, Because he fucking dies. Oh, what?
1: No, I loved that guy Um, that was really hostile to the Discovery crew the entire time until the last minute of his
0: life. Yes.
1: Yeah. um, Is that a thing that annoys you in writing?
0: it's the first initial accidental consequence of the... DMA. Yeah.
1: DMA. That we are aware of because what we do know in the rewatch and minorly from this episode is they got blasted by the dma just hovering past them so they got fucked up and they're out of alignment and they're spinning around why i am pressing you on this is we spend so much time with tilly and adira over there oh
0: and it oh, is, there my... is another thing go on there is another thing so it does seed two ideas that do come back mm. which is adira doesn't know how to work as part of a team And assumes that other people are incompetent or at least not as competent as they are. And two, Tilly doesn't know what the fuck she wants. Oh, okay. Both of those things are set up. Are
1: they done? Are they set up in a way that's interesting? No. Okay, let me say it in a different way. Are they demonstrated in the episode in a way that's fun to watch?
0: No. Well,
1: then what are we doing? Because why I'm pressing you Watching is discovery. we spend. Why I'm pressing you is we spend a lot of time on this space station. We don't see a lot of it. We see that one set. We see a montage of them fixing. We it's see them get...
0: expensive to get an upside down set. No,
1: no, they just no, no, no. We see them get grilled by this commander guy, and them just stand around and saying, "There's danger here, Michael. There's danger." I was hoping that there would be a lot more uh stuff from them whether it be character building things such as they relate to that commander guy on a personal level instead of the president they as these characters calm him down they learn about him they connect with him as a man and they see and they and we crack that exterior of him being this frustrated or frazzled or in over his head commander and that he's a person and he's scared and we make him quote unquote human and uh, we humanize him through these two characters and through this adventure we get the things you're talking about where it is uh adira's first proper away mission what does that look like the anxiety that comes from that but also their specialty as uh in their field but also as a person who has lived multiple lives through the trill uh symbiote in them maybe they have an understanding that they could offer up uh, on a personal level to this commander and even to tilly who's struggling herself instead it's just they stand there Adira keeps making these bug-eyed expressions and pouting their chin into their throat. And Tilly, no joke, the actress of Tilly, she just is hands on the hips and just kind of standing there. And I was looking at it going, are we looking at them filming an actual scene or these actors on break? Because it's just non-dynamic.
0: Every time well, we cut over there, know, there's Hands no- on hips, very important tool for a lieutenant to have- Mm, Oh, yes, yes, yes. But
1: do you agree with my overall complaint here? It's non-dynamic. We're not really pushing the needle along. It is one of those unfortunate Star Trek plots where, Lots of
0: things happen, but none of it really matters, and it's not that interesting, but stuff's happening on screen. A classic serve of Discovery.
1: Yeah, and then... Because I wanted to talk more about Tilly and all that, but there's not much there to talk about. So I'm going to say... And then we have the Discovery ship itself, where they've got this force field happening. They're blocking this... What is it? These asteroids or this debris that's coming it's over. It's like
0: giant ice crystals or something. It's like it got shifted because another, of the DNA yeah. thing. And...
1: I think it all really comes to a head with uh, Michael makes a very questionable decision and the president calls it out in which Michael... She asks a question but
0: isn't questioning.
1: Yes. Where Michael decides that they're the most qualified person to drive a little ship out there to do this dangerous thing and rightfully so the president raises their eyebrows or lack of eyebrows in this case, because they I've got the makeup on, uh, raises the eyebrows and questions. Really? This is a real alert situation. Many lives are at risk and you're wanting to go out there and play superhero. Maybe this isn't the right call to make. What did you
0: think about all of that? I thought she was right. Like, Michael tries to be all about protocol when it suits her. And we see that directly in this episode because she's just like, oh, no, you can't be there. (laughs) You can't come on my ship. (laughs) But you're here, so we'll, we'll, we'll follow normal protocol. And it's just like, yeah. Captains don't go on away missions for a fucking reason. Right. Let alone one that's like a sort of glorified spacewalk situation to go and get some debris mm. off a fucking thing and and she almost dies doing it she almost fucking dies and they try and use silence <laughs> in that, and i'm just like no no no
1: no 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 no, not no, not no
0: Not this, not this way. Um, but it's just like, oh, well, yeah, the dude that we might usually set, actually, no, no, I can't even be bothered saying that because it's always fucking Michael because she's the saviour. It's always going to be her. There's nobody else. There's nobody else that they would ever send to do something that stupid. It's always going to be Michael.
1: Yeah. It's always going to be Michael, but they're calling it out here. The president is grilling her, questioning her. Michael is defending her position, but in so doing, we're seeing the flaw of her character, her hubris, her inability to not be the savior. He call out
0: her god complex mm. so many fucking times last season mm. and then they do it here like they've never pointed it out before well that's what i was going to touch
1: upon this isn't a bad idea to have your star trekking captain who goes out on these missions when realistically they shouldn't but they do cuz it's a tv show right we understand it's a tv show and in a tv show you're going to have the lead character do these things but there's always that little disconnect where you go, "Really? You're the captain. You shouldn't be doing these things. You should send somebody else out to do these things. It's not wise of you to do these this things. Is
0: why you need a number 2."
1: That's why you have away missions and like you with have other a teams. Command. That's why you send security and so on and so forth to people. So it isn't bad to have a character who is filled with many egotistical flaws in the show and a messiah complex and all of this stuff, who does also do the usual sci-fi lead thing and amplify that and explore that and call it out. I actually don't mind that. I think that's really great idea. The
0: idea here is not a bad one. It falls apart,
1: though, because they've explored this idea. When I say explored... They've done this each season, and she always changes by the end of the season only to be the exact same way she was at the start of the next. She never truly develops. She never truly She is learned. still the
0: person that commits mutiny. Yeah. She would still fucking do the same sort of shit. Even though by the end of that first
1: season she learned otherwise, but then stars second season off she goes doing this crazy absurd shit. You mentioned it. Season three they called it out the whole time. Then by the end of the season she's finally in that chair and she's like, you know what? We did it my way, but my way was the best way. But I'm also, I've also got some humili- math without numbers. But I've also math
0: without numbers. But I've also
1: got some humility. So even though this could be a good idea, and we've seen it explored already, it isn't worth it because we know we know for a fact that the show's gonna side with michael by the end of the season and even if they do develop her next season she'll be doing the same shit as she's been doing the last four you
0: know what like a lot of people it's not actual
1: development a
0: lot of people say don't reinvent the wheel i think they've misunderstood that phrase (laughs)
1: <laughs> they just keep they just keep because, inventing it over and over again.
0: <laughs> yeah, like I can't even be bothered to fucking fully explore the depths in which that mm-hmm. metaphor can apply to discovery because I just I don't want to give it that much mental energy. We've been covering Babylon 5, and
1: there was a very similar moment in Babylon 5, in which the first four to five episodes of that show had the commander, Commander Sinclair, doing these reckless decisions, being the bad boy, being the hero, the leader, the warrior, the guy who grabs the gun and joins them to shoot the monster. And then, in episode four, I do believe, Infection, the head of security and his best friend, pulls him aside and says, hey, I've been noticing you've been doing this. Not only have I been noticing you've been doing this, it's irresponsible. It's dangerous. And he goes beyond that. He actually criticizes him, but also gives him reassuring advice. He actually says, hey, I, you know, in, in ways without actually directly saying it, but he says, you clearly have more than just the typical sci-fi lead complex, but you have some ptsd and survivor's guilt and you're wanting to die and the commander does not accept it at first but then says hey you know what you've got a point and i don't know why i'm doing this but i should work on it and guess what after that He proceeds to work on it and stops doing that dumb, usual sci-fi shit. And then when he gets close to it, he pulls himself back and interrogates himself about it. There's actual development of this idea. Here, four seasons in... It's the same thing over and over and over again. In the last two episodes, she'll have learned a thing. Only for the next season, she's repeating the same fucking mistakes over and over again. So when we have this whole character flaw and how she can't accept the deaths of people and they're calling out all of these things that you're like, yes, I'm glad that they're pointing to these criticisms that I've had as, of her as a viewer, it falls on deaf ears to me because I'm not stupid. I remember that they've done this. They've done this before. This isn't new, and they're not going to
0: change. No. 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 It just makes me kind of laugh even more. Like, I was doing that bit of research to confirm that at some stage, like, you know, they said that there wasn't going to be a villain of, you know, traditional sorts, which... Of course, there is. There is. And also just trying to figure out how many days before the premiere did they pull Discovery from Netflix in Australia. Mm. One of the interviews was Shaniqua Green, -Green. Mm. And, like, the title of this video was, like, her talking about how Michael actually has... A real potential for change, or demonstrates mm. how changed she is in season four. And I'm like, no, she fucking isn't. You can say that every other every other season. Mm. Michael's really changed. No,
1: Michael's no. really changed. Michael's really changed. Yeah, the uniforms change because they have 15 uniforms in this one episode alone. It's absolutely it's absolutely absurd. The big season plot, the big big bad, if you will. What was your angle on it after this first episode all the all that time ago? What did you think? I mean you knew you we were yeah. told it's not gonna be a super villain this time, so they introduced yeah. this weird anomaly thing, this blur but that destroys even a whole have a
0: fucking name at this point. No,
1: that destroys a whole planet uh and a planet of somebody we care about. Mm. What did you think?
0: I was just like, okay, let's see what you do with this. I was not in a point where I was hopeful about it, was not interested in it because I was half expecting them to pull some sort of red angel shit with it, Hmm. which, you know, in some ways they do, in some ways they do. I was like, okay, I'm just setting up a thing. This episode's very heavy with the expositions and the setups for all the things that you want to do this season. And oh boy, I get it. You have themes. You have
1: themes. I get it. You're a viewer of this. Uh, of I'm going to bring up a show. You're a bigger viewer of it than I am. But in my minor viewing of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. It got tiresome to me that it followed that formula of each season or two had the big bad. The big bad, yeah. And then the smaller bad Mm -hmm. that you would usually connect to the big bad. It was a formula. Yes. You knew what it was going to be every single time. And there came a point where even if the big bad was interesting, you were no longer interested because this has been done. Yeah, this has been done and you know that they're going to defeat them or the big bad's going to give up or the big bad's going to become their friend because you've seen all the variants already, even though Buffy is an acclaimed show, and we all like Buffy in some way, and uh, all that. You know, what, you know what I mean? And so the DMA, when it was introduced in the season, I was like, okay, we've got another burn thing where it's some anomalous thing that we can't fully understand, and it's just going to be a series of breadcrumbs until eventually the writers say, ah, eh, here it is. Here's the full picture. And then I go, oh, uh, that's that's it? We uh-huh. spent... 13 episodes
0: on this? Okay. Yeah, Forgot a very important step in Discovery's version of The Big Bad, which is we will give you all of the information three episodes before mm-hmm. the finale. And then
1: pretend that we didn't and then go, ah, oh, you didn't expect that, did you? Uh, I was like, you told me three episodes ago.
0: Yes, you, uh, I will tell you and then three episodes later reveal.
1: <laughs> that, the information that I've already told you, like it's a reveal
0: you mm, you're right, you're right. But when I saw this... It's important to the structure of Discovery seasons.
1: When I saw the big blur, though, I knew that it wouldn't be as stupid as The Burn. I knew that they couldn't outdo a little kid screaming one time. And I, you know what? They didn't. Another reason why I like this season more... The fun well
0: Discovery. You get a gold star for not being as... Fucking it up as badly. Not
1: going stupider. That, I mean, I, because how could you go stupider? How could you go stupider than a whole it, season-long it's mystery hard. in which it, it's about it, a little boy that screamed really loud one time and destroyed the galaxy? You could never guess that. You're right. Here, at least with the DMA... There were little things along the way from my recollection that were like, oh, yeah, you know what? You could work some of this stuff out. Yeah, that's interesting. And OK, cool. But the cool and like not cool, cool, but cool as in, oh, yeah, this adds up in a way where either viewer could put those pieces together and it's satisfying enough. While the burn, it was silly, silly, silly. Uh, the big plot thing, though, uh, uh, one of the problems with it is, yeah, you're used to the formula of them having this big narrative mystery, let's drop the breadcrumbs forward along, and you get tired of that. And then you have this one where it is just, mm. it pops up every now and then, and we don't know when or where, and I go, oh. Okay. Random! At least with the Klingon War, there was always a presence of a threat, even though they rarely ever did do anything with the Klingon War. And Mm -hmm. same with the Red Angel. It was like, well, we know that they're going to have this many signals, so there was something to guide you along on how they're going to connect it all up, even if you knew that they weren't going to. Here it is really, I'll wait for them just to eventually decide to tell me what this is. And that's not a fun mystery, is it?
0: No, but I don't expect to have fun watching Discovery anymore. What? You don't
1: think it's fun to watch Book cry over the fact that his entire civilization got destroyed by a big bowl made by some aliens that speak in farts? Remember? They speak in pheromones and stinks.
0: Yeah, but it's also a mining operation. Yeah. That has unintended consequences, mm. like fossil fuels and fracking.
1: So Book's family, they were here.
0: Dead! Did you expect it? Uh, pff, mm, I was like, I wasn't, I was expecting it just to be them that dies. I didn't expect the entire planet to be blown up because I'm like, Book is going here on his own. He's not going to die because they're reaffirming that he's a presence with Burnham. And he's in the open um, credits. Yeah, that, that, that helps too. But, you know, uh, we recently wrapped up season two of Babylon 5. So, you know, I got Kefir on the mind still. Oh. So it's no promise. It's
1: no promise. Is Tilly the Kefir of this season where they mm-hmm. haven't been a minimal amount of episodes, don't do jack shit, and then they abruptly leave?
0: Yeah, they don't wait till the end of the season. No. I mean, well,
1: she comes back in the end. Yes. Okay, so you know what? Fuck it. No, nope. um, she's the Lou. <laughs> she's the Lou Welch of no! Babylon Five. No, how what? dare you,
0: suddenly. You telling me? Labor. Excuse me. Excuse me.
1: What does Lou love? What does he love? Say it. Lou loves. Say the word. Say it. It's eternal.
0: Fergus
1: Cake. Until he loves cake. It's eternal, bitch. <sighs> Book's family was so obviously going to die because they were being so sweet and cutesy and that shot of the and kid running. And all animosity
0: between the two of them. All that, like, the two brothers has dissipated entirely. Well, Rachel, Rachel, not only
1: did the events of the sanctuary happen, but it's been five months. And as we know from Michael's one magical year of being a bounty hunting delivery person, it changes you. Just any amount of time, it really changes you. I mean, how long has it been since we've covered Discovery? We've changed so much since then. Like, now, when I watch Discovery and I come back to it, I feel very sorry for it instead of annoyed by it. Like, this episode didn't annoy me. It just made me feel very sorry for it. I felt so much pity again pity i was looking at it going oh you poor thing you you can't oh guys that's not how you tell a story guys <laughs> like like it felt like an animal stuck in a trap but I like oh i wish i could help you get out of that trap but i don't want to get hurt i don't want to get involved but oh secondhand embarrassment and pity is what i find and when books Family is going to die and the birds fly at his ship and we look at that exploded planet. I don't feel a thing because I am more in line of the thought of, of course, they want to destroy a planet by the end of the very first episode. That's what they are obsessed with. The spectacle, whether it be that of a planet being destroyed or Book's crying face, it's the spectacle rather than the substance. I don't feel any of the substance because the last episode with Book's family was the lowest rated of the entire show until this season came along. Oh boy. And it was an episode that was one of the most boring things I've ever watched, so I didn't care about his family. This isn't like Picard losing uh, René and Robert and all of that in Generations, in which I'm still upset that they made that writing decision. I'm still upset about that. Because I liked those characters in the episode Family of TNG. So you can make that work. They didn't make it work in that previous season. So when they're taken away from me here, it is not me caring about them being gone. It's me caring about how Book feels about it. And that doesn't work on a rewatch because I know Book becomes a little whiny bitch about it the whole season. And he becomes a character I despise. And he commits heinous crimes that thankfully he does get punished for. But I just... I just couldn't be having it. Uh, That's how it ends, right? The episode ends on his uh, little tearful face.
0: Yeah, when he's being rescued from his ship that has autopiloted itself back to Discovery. Mm -mm.
1: Is there anything else you want to touch upon before we get to the segment everybody's been salivating over. People who have been waiting for Yum Yum Track to come back have been waiting for the... I won't say his name, but we all know. But is it anything? No, I want this to be over. Is it time? Mm-hmm. Is, uh, is that what I... Is, do I hear... Is that, are my ears deceiving me? Or is that the Huda? The part of the show in which we focus in on the character of Dr. Hugh Colbert Talk about what he got up to and our thoughts on him.
0: Uh, he smiles and nods. Whoa, whoa, epi- whoa,
1: whoa, 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 whoa. Who does that? Hugh Colber. What? You're saying he just smiles and nods throughout most of the episode? <laughs> no, Rachel, no. It's been four seasons. Surely he's changed.
0: Surely they gave him plenty of lines of dialogue, right? Mm-hmm he declares somebody dead Mm -hmm. he does have lines but but mostly he smiles and nods. Just
1: just smiles and nods that's the Huda I will point out that I did find it very 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 amusing that when that commander died and all of the rubble Tilly and Adira are trying to lift this up and they're like help us and then Hugh walks over who we know is jacked Wilson Cruz is a beast so when he walks over and just like lifts us up with his pinky uh, (laughs) I laughed and laughed and laughed and I wrote in my notes Hulk Hugh Just, just Hugh should be that character that inexplicably has superhuman strength and they never talk about it because we know the actor, we know him to be jacked but I would love it if just there are more storylines in which it's like oh my god they're stuck behind this door and then they're trying to pin the door open and then Hugh just walks over and just with like his index finger slides it open without any ease and then they're like oh my god that's like a titanium door and it's all bent just from Hugh's sheer strength Hugh and then before you know it he's already gone from the scene and they're like they don't have time to ask him any questions about his superhuman strength mm-hmm. he should be uh, a Singh
0: comes from the super toothbrushes.
1: Oh my god, that's why he's so strong from his toothbrush.
0: It's like it no, it's not teeth. only made his teeth strong.
1: It's made all No, it's because he was reborn from spores. Yeah. Remember that he's a spore version of Hugh? Yeah. And he used to have an existential crisis about it. He's he's seemingly fine. Now, to give a minor thing about it, I did like that they gave more stuff to Hugh in season 4. Uh, I can't wait to talk about it and I see will. how it develops, okay. but they gave him he has a character in season 4 and he has some relevancy and it comes across like they listen to what we said in our podcast, they they go with him in avenues where we were saying in our season 3 discussions and even season 2, they should be doing these things with Hugh and they proceeded to do some of those things So, I'm actually very excited to do Hugh Dar in future episodes, but here Smile Waste and nod, Smile boys. and nod. What's new? Rating.
0: Yum. Yum.
1: For Kobayashi Maru, mm-hmm. you give this a yum. Yeah. Yeah. It's a yum.
0: Yum. Uh, uh, I thought you were going to get, like, uh, you really, really had me going there for, like, half a second <laughs> of, like, are you going to claim that somehow this is a yum yum because of what is to come or... Because there are not that many serious complaints because I'm like, this whole episode, this whole episode is so much happens, but nothing happens and it means nothing.
1: That's what you stole the word. You stole it all out of my mouth. This is an episode that is jammed, packed, but with nothing. It's got all of this crazy stuff that we could keep talking about, like when Michael got ejected from her space pod and her helmet somehow consumed her hair. It looks very silly. There's so many things, but all of it is weightless, substanceless, even just at bare minimum. It's not even that arrogant anymore of a show. It's just going through the motions. So I give this episode a yum because like the first time I viewed it, I'm not going to remember anything about this other than the basic plot points of this is when Book's home planet got destroyed by the DMA and that's it, really. That's all I'm going to... And the president got introduced, but nothing of actual... I I consumed this and it imprinted upon me. No. This is static noise for almost an hour to me. So it's a young... The
0: next episode is Anomaly. Anomaly, sir? Oh, that's a great film. Saru returns to help the USS Discovery uncover the mystery of an unusually destructive new force. As Burnham leads the crew, she must also find a way to help Book cope with an unimaginable loss. What's the
1: rating on that one?
0: 5.3. Lower? Mm -hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. These are all lower than the lowest ones of last season, right? I think the lowest one of the last season was like five point four. A lot of these are that area. It's it's quite amazing how much season four is lowly rated on IMDB. I'm shocked. I'm 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 actually very shocked that there's an episode one of them coming up that's like a four point something. Currently
0: all of season three is above a five.
1: Oh really? The yeah. Sanctuary even above a five. Wow. That was the lowest rated last. Yeah,
0: it's a five point seven.
1: There you go. No, no, that's what I'm saying. A lot of season four is lower than the sanctuary, the previous lowest rated episode of this series. So this episode
0: is on par with sanctuary, which was yep anomaly. Next
1: time we'll be talking about that. So people make sure to give that a a revisit, a rewatch, a going over. We would love to hear your thoughts on uh, season 4 of Discovery, what we've talked about here. So you can hit us up on our social media platforms. We are on all of them under Yum Yum Pod or Yum Yum Podcast. We're posting on there regularly talking about obviously Babylon 5 where we uh, have been for the last few months and of course we are going to be talking about Star Trek Discovery again, yes. so you can and, engage uh, with us there
0: on any of those. Just want to know, just in case people are here and ha- haven't heard of our Patreon show, Make It Stop or Make It So that I referred to earlier, which was where we watched the highest and lowest rated episodes of, of all of the seasons or series of old Trek, which is a completed series. So if you hop on Patreon, you have all of that.
1: yeah we have much we have a lot of content on our Patreon we talked about season 2 of uh, Picard we talked about the first season of Strange New Worlds as they came out so you can hear our takes on those on Patreon as well as become a group a member in our group Discord so yum yum pod on Patreon if you have the means to do so come over there and join in on the fun get some extra yum yum and help the show out If if you're still listening Uh, All of this is in the description below. Rate and review us on your podcatcher of choice. Our email is yumyumpod at gmail.com if you want to contact us more directly. But if that's all we've got here, Rachel, I think we're good to uh, finish this one up. Any words of wisdom, anything you want to leave us on with uh, Kobayashi Maru? I to CBS to
0: cancel discovery.
1: No, no, you're supposed to say YUM YUM!